Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters. Can I just start by saying how much I really, quite quickly, have come to love this place. Last Sunday, James and I were gone for a little long weekend away, my first time missing worship since I began serving here last September, and while a little bit of a break was nice, I did miss it. I missed you, I missed the music, I missed the worship, all of it, and I missed the warmth and the beauty and the loveliness of praising God together in this place. On the way back from our trip, I read an article in The Guardian about how prior to the pandemic, something like 3,000 churches were closing their doors every year here in the United States. Since the pandemic, that number has grown to 4,500 churches closing their doors each year. I think now, perhaps more than ever before, we are called to be salt for the earth and light for the world. Friends, this is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Hear God's word to us today. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You're the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Grant, O God, that only the truth be spoken and only the truth heard. Amen. One of the downsides about worshiping once a week is that it's sometimes easy to miss the full narrative or or the overarching storyline that connects one Sunday to the next. So, for example, we're continuing today in chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, but we actually started reading Matthew's Gospel at Christmas time. We read Matthew's version of the nativity story as Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem where Jesus was born. We followed the Holy Family as they fled to Egypt to escape evil King Herod. And then we followed them again as they returned and settled in Nazareth. 
Matthew's text then skips ahead until Jesus is a grown man who makes his way to be baptized by John in the Jordan River. From there, he's led out into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days and nights before being tempted by the devil. When that temptation was over and Jesus had prevailed, he made his way to Capernaum, a town located on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. That's where he calls his first disciples, Simon and Andrew, James and John. He tells them to follow him and he'll make them fish for people. From there, the movement continues as Jesus goes about proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing all kinds of people of their afflictions. And now he's drawing large crowds. And so he goes up on the top of a mountain and he sits down and there begins to teach Last week, while I was away, Audrey talked about the opening words to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which are known as the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and so on. Eight times, in fact, Jesus says, blessed are, and then he names those who are blessed or happy or flourishing, as some versions translate the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then the ninth time, Jesus says, blessed are you. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And that's where we picked up this morning, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Now, if you remember that our little chapter and verse numbers were constructed much later and didn't exist in the original texts, it makes some sense that our reading this morning is well-connected with the verses that come immediately before it. Just like this whole time, we've been following a sequence and a storyline tracing the overarching narrative which continued from the previous weeks to this week. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Do you see how they're connected? The salt and light metaphors might actually better belong with the Beatitudes. They flow from these blessing statements. They're a continuation of what comes before them. Jesus wants his disciples to see that if we live this way, live the way he lived, we will come to know what a flourishing life looks like. And when we are flourishing in this way, we are being salt of the earth and light for the world. My mom was an English teacher, and growing up, she would often correct my brothers and me when we didn't say something properly. I remember once ending a sentence with a preposition. I was complaining proudly, probably obnoxiously, and I said, that's just something I'm not going to put up with. I was a teenager. <laughs> Excuse me, my mother said back. That's just something I'm not going to put up with, I repeated. Excuse me, she said. I paused and realized my error. You, you can't end a sentence in a preposition, so I stammered out a clunky way of saying what I wanted to say. That's something up with which I will not put.
I guess when your mom is an English teacher, you learn that grammar is important. But as interesting as prepositions are, it's the verbs that convey the movement and drive the action, right? And up until this point, there's been a lot of action in Matthew's gospel. Mary and Joseph, they traveled to Bethlehem. They fled to Egypt. They came back again. Jesus grew up. He got baptized. He was led out into the wilderness where he was tempted. He returned. He moved to Capernaum. He called his disciples. He began healing people and drawing in crowds. So he went up a mountain and he began to teach. Action, action, action. Movement, movement, movement. And we get to this Sermon on the Mount, and suddenly Jesus settles in. And he starts repeating the same verb over and over and over. The verb is to be. Or as it's conjugated here, you are. Blessed are. You are. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now think for a moment about someone that you might describe as the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Really, maybe close your eyes. Think about the people you know. Think about who you might say would be the salt of the earth or the light of the world. What are the characteristics that make that person so? If I had to guess, I'd imagine you're thinking of someone who is humble unassuming, welcoming, generous, gracious, kind, the, the sort of person who gives without counting the cost and who serves wherever there's a need, who makes you feel loved. One of the f- things that I find so interesting about this text and its grammar is that our is in the present tense, which is an interesting choice because unless Matthew left out some really important details, Jesus is talking to some people who haven't been following him for very long. I mean, we get the sense that Jesus has moved from place to place to place in a rather short period of time. We don't know exactly how long he spent proclaiming the kingdom of heaven or how much time had passed as he healed people of their afflictions, but it doesn't seem to be a long period of doing these things before the crowds start joining him and following him. And I guess where I'm going with this is to say that it appears to, it appears to me that Jesus pronounces blessing upon people he barely knows. Jesus calls this crowd of strangers, mostly the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We know the kinds of people who embody those characteristics, humble, welcoming, kind, generous, who who give without counting the cost, who serve wherever there's a need, the sort of people who make you feel loved. But how does Jesus know that about the people that he's preaching to? The ones to whom he is preaching. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) He doesn't even know who they are. And yet he does. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. What's striking about Jesus' words is that he wants his listeners, maybe even us, to see that we are salt and light already. Eugene Peterson, who produced the modern-day paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, he says, Scripture doesn't present us with a moral code and tell us, live up to this 
Nor does it put out a system of doctrine and say, think like this. Rather, Peterson says, the biblical way is to tell a story and in the telling to invite. Live into this. This is what it looks like to be human in this God-made and God-ruled world. This is what is involved in becoming and maturing as a human being. Live into this. Live into this vision. Live into thinking of yourself as salt and light. What if we actually leaned into that? What if we allowed these symbols to kind of form us and shape us, to spark something in us and teach us and lead us as a church and as followers of Jesus? Maybe claiming that identity actually helps us to become it. Jesus says, you are salt. You are light. Now become who you are. Live into that. Become who you are already. One of my favorite quotes, a little saying, is is God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. God doesn't call the qualified, at least not always. God doesn't wait for you to be perfect or to get your degree. All God needs is for you to say yes. I mean, think about some of the people whom God has called in the Bible. Moses was a fugitive. David was a kid. Esther had a pretty big secret. Jonah was running from God. Mary was a teenager from a backcountry town. Her husband-to-be was a carpenter. People thought that John the Baptist was crazy. And even Jesus himself calls as his disciples fishermen. And as the story continues and the narrative goes on, we'll see that often those disciples, they, they misunderstand, they, they say, and they do the wrong thing. God doesn't always call the qualified. But even so, Jesus tells them, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. The biblical way is to tell a story and in the telling to invite. And I wonder what would happen if each of us walked out of here today feeling a little bit more like salt of the earth and light for the world. God doesn't always call the qualified, right? But God qualifies the called. You already are salt of the earth and light for the world. You are. Present tense. You are. You're humble and welcoming and kind and generous and gracious. You give without counting the cost. You serve Where there's need, you make people feel loved. You are already. So become who you are. (laughs) And go ahead, Jesus says, shine. Let your light shine before others so that they might see your good works and give glory to God. Your light might be small, but God qualifies the called. So go ahead and let your light shine. Okay, church, shine. The world does not need us to hide our light under a bushel. The world needs us to give of ourselves without counting the cost and to serve where there's a need and to make people feel welcomed and loved. The world needs more people who are humble and kind and generous. Rejoice, Jesus says, and be glad. Bring forth the kingdom. Shine. Don't hide who you are. Don't be afraid to shine or to flourish. Become who you already are in the present tense. You're salt of the earth and you're light of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. 
Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.